Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Today, the guest is Gabe Cooper. Uh, Gabe has made a career creating market-driven software in the nonprofit and for-profit sectors. To date, his company products have received Apple's Design of the Year Award, Apple's Hall of Fame designation, and Starbucks App of the Week. He has been featured in Mashable, USA Today, New York Times, and Microsoft Case Studies. Currently, Gabe is the CEO of Virtuous, a nonprofit CRM that helps charities raise more money to do more good. I think you're going to really enjoy what Gabe has to say today, and here's the main topic for today's podcast. It's this question. How can nonprofits use technology and predictive analytics to deepen relationships with donors, raise more money, and re-engage lapsed donors? I think you're going to enjoy today's show. All right, tell us a little bit about yourself, Gabe, and how specifically you got involved helping out in the nonprofit sector. I actually came out of the nonprofit space, and so I worked in a big nonprofit um, probably 12, 15 years ago. And um, a leadership role there, I worked on a lot of their technology development and digital fundraising, kind of cut my teeth on how a nonprofit works and accomplishes its mission. And about 12 years ago, I actually left that and started a software business with a couple of buddies, and we built custom software for other big nonprofits. And so our customers over the last 12 years have been folks like um, Campus Crusade or Compassion International. And so I've gotten to see sort of time and time again how nonprofits are trying to leverage technology to accomplish their mission in the world. There is no doubt that more effective nonprofits use technology. And the more they use technology, the greater impact they will have because they will increase efficiency and have greater reach. So how do you help nonprofits realize which software and technology is best for them? Yeah, um, good question. So uh, the reality is every nonprofit has a different set of needs, a different mission, and they need a different mix of technology. Uh, One of the more frustrating things that we've seen over the years is just um, how slow many nonprofits are to innovate. And so it's not about picking some specific technology. It's more just a, a cultural mindset of innovation. So their donors, uh, the typical donor to a nonprofit is surrounded by technology and being catered to by technology in the constant changing technology world and has expectations around how they're treated. At the same time, the, their cause, the thing they're trying to fix in the world is are these dynamic, changing things affected by technology, yet nonprofits are um, shockingly slow to innovate and change. And so it's not so much the technology choice, it's more adopting this culture of innovation. So a lot of times nonprofits we work with, I'll actually load them up with books on um, like startup best practices. And so one of my favorites is a book called The Lean Startup. And so I'll, I'll make nonprofits read The Lean Startup just so they can start sort of getting in their blood this idea of 
um, fast innovation. Like we come up with a hypothesis, we try some technology, we see how it works for a couple of weeks. If it doesn't work, we change. Like we're never afraid to change. We're never afraid to innovate. And so for us, that's really the big one. It's not about a specific technology. It's just about, you know, getting that, that culture of innovation in the lifeblood of nonprofits. And I don't think any of this is sort of new, what I'm about to say, but I think um, businesses face market pressures, right? And so you have customers who have a specific need, and if you don't meet that need, then the customer just goes somewhere else and you go out of business. So that's normal market pressures. Nonprofits don't face the same sort of market pressure. So the people they're serving are often not the people giving them money, which creates a bit of sort of what do you call misaligned incentives. And so when you have these powerful founders who are really passionate about the mission, usually they're pretty effective and efficient. But over time, that vision leaks, and there's no market pressure forcing them to be more efficient. So it's for a nonprofit, it becomes even more critical that you put sort of a structure of innovation in place, like forcing functions that force you to stay focused on your mission um, because you, you, the market is just not going to force you to do that on your own, which is not a trivial thing. And I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen it with a ton of nonprofits is you just get this kind of institutional inertia that kicks in and you sort of grind to a halt because there's nothing forcing you to move. And which, and I think for nonprofit leadership, and this is sort of off topic, but I think related to your audiences for nonprofit leadership, just always creating that urgency around like, if we're not affecting the cause today, we need to go out of business today. Well, that sort of that sort of power and urgency around accomplishing the mission. That's really helpful. And so for those listening, explain predictive analytics. It's a great term. And so help us understand again, what does that mean in this context of nonprofits? And then what is the process by which you and your company applies predictive analytics to improve relationships with donors? Yeah. Yeah, good question. So... Um, you know, the easiest way to explain it is uh, I have five kids, okay? And if I open up my Amazon homepage when I go back to my desk, I'm going to see three recommendations for pairs of soccer shoes, four recommendations for Mickey Mouse Cloud on Disney Channel, and, you know, probably some bulk food options to keep my boys fed, okay? And the reason that Amazon does that is because Amazon knows me. They know um, who's in my family. They know the kind of products that I order. They know the kind of music that I like, the kind, the kind of movies that we like. And so they give me a personalized experience. Um, Netflix does it. Um, Uber does it. Even my local pizza place does it. Uh, and that's, that's really um, predictive analytics, uh, at least a, a simplified version, meaning they know who I am and they predict what my likely – that next steps are okay so that's in that's in the real world that's what donors are seeing and experiencing every day in the nonprofit world if you think about you know the last few times that you gave to a nonprofit you quickly realize that you give to things that you're very personally connected to you either know somebody that works at that nonprofit or you volunteered there or you know the cause has affected your family directly so you're very personally connected yet for some reason nonprofit haven't been able to come up with a communication strategy for their donors that really personalizes conversation. So if I could personalize a conversation with a donor, just like Amazon personalizes a conversation with me, 
I can change the dynamic of that conversation, and I can dramatically increase generosity. So donors are getting this everywhere else in their life, and then from their nonprofit, they get a letter in the month, in the mail every month that says, you know, for your faithful gift of $30 or more. Well, that nonprofit has no idea who I am, and it drives donors crazy because they, in today's day and age, they expect a personalized experience. So for us, what we do is we use predictive analytics to figure out who this donor is, like how much they like to give, um, when they like to give, how frequently they like to give. But more than that, we find out, are there other donors that live close to them? Are they on social media? How many social followers do they have? Like, are they are they potential good advocates for my cause? Do they have family members that give to this organization? And so we use all of that data to paint a picture of who that donor is and then start tailoring a stream of communication that allows a relationship to build over time instead of just treating them like a faceless transaction. So at the end of the day, we believe that that sort of predictive analytics that helps personalize a donor's experience with a nonprofit is really a game changer in the world of generosity. Really good point. And, you know, so here's my question. For those who are still kind of new to this idea of applying technology to their nonprofit, um, how do you apply and explain the benefits of doing this predictive analytics without coming across as creepy or big brother-ish? Like, how do you strike that balance? Yeah, it's hard. A lot of the nonprofits that we work with, are. it is a little bit creepy. The reality is most of this information is publicly available, so you could get it in Google just as easily as you can get it through Virtuous. But, you know, it, um, the reality is that's where the world is. People publicly share information about themselves. And so um, we don't we won't want you to use it in a creepy way, but we do want you to understand um, if you have somebody on your file that doesn't give very much. Uh, the, the example that I always use is actually my brother. Um, he's the pastor we were talking about before we jumped on the podcast, but he is a pastor of a big church in Toronto. Okay. He's not going to be a major donor to any nonprofit anytime soon, but he has massive social influence. He has a massive influence in Toronto, which is one of the the biggest influencers in the world in terms of um, setting a cultural bar. Okay. So, don't ask my brother for 30 bucks a month. Ask him to tweet for you or ask him to talk about your cause in front of his church. Ask him to be a megaphone for your cause. You're going to have exponentially more impact if you understand who my brother is, what his unique gifts and talents are, and you engage him where he's been gifted to have the biggest impact on the cause. And most organizations have no idea how to do that. They're sending people like my brother a $30 a month gift ask instead of engaging them around their particular passions. And so I think when organizations can wrap their mind around that, that's the game-changing thing. And so you're just using things like Twitter. You know, how many Twitter followers do they have as, as sort of measuring sticks for figuring out where people can best engage? That's interesting because you're right. I like your phrase of um, utilize people as a megaphone, if you will. In other words, as opposed to just asking for $30 or $300, how do you utilize that person's network and what they're good at, what they're passionate about? And I really like that approach of looking beyond just a person as a checkbook, for example. That's right. I, I, Kind of onto that, I think we short sell um, donors or nonprofits do. They just start seeing donors as checks, but really they're unique people with time and talent and social capital, so much to give. Their heart is wrapped around your cause. So don't treat them like a checkbook. Like really figure out who they are and then help them engage from there. 
That's a great segue into this next question. Um, in your opinion, why is fundraising such a difficult challenge for many, if not most nonprofits? You know, on this podcast, in fact, fundraising comes up almost every single episode. And so number one, why is it such a difficult challenge in your opinion? And number two, what is the solution that you and your company bring to helping nonprofits overcome the challenge of fundraising? Yeah, that's, it's, it's a really good question. It's a two-part answer, really. The first one is, I think nonprofits, Fundraising is difficult because people don't see fundraising as part of the mission. They see it as a necessary evil, and they see the cause they're trying to fix as the the main thing. And and fundraising is a necessary evil to get to the main thing, which I just um, I think is just bad thinking. The reality is is sweeping a lot of people into your movement or into your cause, allowing them to gauge shoulder to shoulder with you to fix the cause through generosity, through giving, has tremendous impact on not just your cause, but on the people that are giving. And so you're really shifting culture by engaging people and giving and generosity. It's not a necessary evil as a means to an end. It is really part of fixing the problem. And so um, as a donor, if you get me excited about your cause, that's going to change me for life and help me be a fan of fixing this cause for the rest of my life. And nonprofits don't get that. Most nonprofits see fundraising as a necessary evil. So that's the first problem. The other problem is they don't know how to do the thing I was talking about a minute ago, which is build personal relationships at scale. And they know they should. So typical nonprofit has a donor development guy, and that donor development guy has a relationship with about 100 major donors on his list. And and he knows those people well, right? So he calls them and, and schedules a Mexican dinner at their favorite Mexican place, and he knows their wife's name and their kid's name and their anniversary. He treats them well. And then the other 10,000 people on his file, he doesn't know from Adam. And so now he has a completely disconnected sort of direct response relationship with most of the people that give in a high-touch relationship with a very small set of people. And, And it ends up stifling fundraising and and never really creating a movement. It sort of um, handcuffs nonprofits into this kind of legacy way of thinking about giving where you're just hoping the checks come in the next month. And it's it's just demotivating and there's no real path to growth. Uh, very helpful again. And so what's your solution uh, to helping nonprofits overcome that challenge of fundraising? Um, a big part of it for us is, is um, we want nonprofits to be able to build great relationships with their donors at scale. Right. And so we want to find that guy given 15 bucks a month, figuring out what makes him tick, start telling him about projects that he really cares about, not some generic pie chart for the organization, but actually communicating him about the projects that he really cares about. We want to figure out, um, you know, does he have a, a family or, you know, what's he really passionate about? Is he maybe a great kind of candidate for being a volunteer? And we want to use things like marketing automation which is a way to automate communication with them. And so now we're communicating them automatically, not not a major donor up in the organization, but the technology is helping communicate with him in a personalized way, just like Amazon would. And so now he feels like he's part of the cause. He's not like some outside faceless donor. He's actually a part of what's going on. And so our platform is built to figure out who your donors are, personalize a stream of communication, and then automate a lot of it, honestly, because the reality is the last thing nonprofits have is time. So the donor development guy doesn't have more time to spend on this. He needs to automate most of it 
so that it, it just happens magically behind the scenes um, without having to hire more staff. Okay, that's good. And, and so what do you say to the skeptic who believes technology can get in the way of face-to-face personal relationships with donors and is suspicious, perhaps, to switch to too much of their fundraising focus to being the latest technology solutions um, and maybe takes them away from what they're comfortable with and what they're used to, which is face-to-face personal relationships? How would you answer the skeptic on that question? Um, we want more face-to-face. We, um, we don't see technology as a substitute for face-to-face we want more face-to-face. So what I would love to do is turn the, your fans, your sort of your nascent givers that are giving maybe $15 a month, I want to turn them into mouthpieces so they don't shut up about your cost to their neighbors and friends and at their church. I want to use technology to create more face-to-face personal relationships. As a major donor rep, as much as technology scares you, you know good and well you can't maintain a relationship with more than about 100 folks. You just can't. So you have no way to reach the rest of your file personally. So they're going to get generic direct response stuff unless you have a way to use technology to send more personal relationships, to start turning your fans into advocates in their own community, to mobilize groups and neighborhoods together to take action for your cause. And the only way you can do that is by using technology to start scaling what you're doing with 100 people. We want you to scale that to 10,000 people. And so technology isn't a replacement for a personal relationship. It's a way to amplify personal relationships. Yeah, I like how you said that, that you expand your time in a sense by implementing the latest technology actually gives you more time to have face-to-face personal relationships. That's what I hear you saying. That's right. Yeah, exactly right. Now, you get to work with a lot of different nonprofits. And I'm curious on this one, uh, as we've been talking about the topic of fundraising, in general, do you believe that nonprofits need to radically change the way most of them are currently pursuing fundraising? Or do you feel like most people are kind of going in the right direction in terms of nonprofit organizations right now when it comes to fundraising? No, I mean, I think there needs to be a radical change. I mean, I think if you look at just, just in technology in the last you know, 30 years, how our culture has kind of moved to more of a consumer-centric model where all products are tailored to individual consumers. I mean, I can even buy a pair of Nikes this afternoon that are completely individualized to me, and they're in the mail the next day. And so consumer experiences have changed dramatically. Technology has shaped industry. You know, Apple, Google, and others, and Facebook have changed the way people experience the world and experience community. And nonprofits stopped moving, you know, 30 years ago. They haven't caught up. And so at this point, there sort of needs to be a bit of a sea change in the way nonprofits think about innovation and the way nonprofits think about technology. I don't think it can be sort of like baby incremental steps. I think they've, we've fallen too far behind. And, and as a, somebody who creates technology in the space, I kind of feel a responsibility to kick the space into high gear and to reset, especially the culture of generosity around something that's much more holistic and personalized. So there's a long way of saying, no, we need big change, not small change. Very helpful. And so in your mind, are there one or two nonprofits that are really doing a good job with this, that are actually headed in the right direction in terms of integrating technology, improving the way they do fundraising? Who do you point to right now are just two examples of nonprofits really doing a good job of keeping up with the latest trends? So no org is perfect. We, there are 
goods and bads to almost everybody that we deal with. I will say two of my favorites that I've been really impressed with that are that are virtuous customers right now are um, One Hope. So One Hope is a a big um, sort of Christian evangelism, um, spreading God's word throughout the nation's organization. Um, they're on the very cutting edge of technology and do some incredibly innovative stuff, not just technology, but even how they approach their cause and their mission. They really think in innovative ways, even when they're doing work on the ground. They don't use the same old models. They test and change all the time. It's shockingly fast for an organization as big as they are. So I think One Hope is a great example to look at. The other is Exodus Road. So Exodus Road is on the front lines of rescuing people out of um, human trafficking and sex slavery, primarily Southeast Asia. And so they're on the, they're like actually sort of in brothels doing rescues. Um, but they, they leverage technology really, really well, but they leverage technology in conjunction with like indigenous peoples, with local police forces in ways that are, you know, when you look at things like Backpage or Craigslist or all the nasty technology that enables this kind of behavior, they seem to be keeping up from a technology innovation point of view with the bad guys, which is just amazing to me. Excellent. Very helpful. Um, so one last question. You know, we've talked about fundraising. We've talked about um, technology and integrating technology into your nonprofit. Are there any other consistent challenges that as you work with nonprofits that you constantly see come up as a regular theme of uh, things that nonprofits are struggling with? What would you say to that? You know, it's a good question. I think, uh, just going back to what I said before, I think the biggest challenge we see is it's just institutional inertia. Um, you know, the, we'll get to a point with some organizations where it's very clear what the right decision is, but at the end of the day, there's one or two people, the organization, that, you know, things haven't changed in 20 years, and by golly, they're not going to change on my shift. And so that one or two people can be like the the roadblocks that prevent change and innovation. And so, you know, for me, I just – I kind of want to embolden a, a lot of the orgs we work with just to be more brave and courageous and, and change. And, you know, if it all blows up, so what? You go on and find something else to do, but you can't just stay the same. And so that's one, that's one drum that we beat all the time with orgs is just – the courage to be fearless, to make hard changes, not just with technology, but even, you know, if your mission's not working, you know, if you're trying to deal with a malaria crisis in Africa and the thing you're doing is not working, like be brave and change it. Go back to your donors, tell them you're changing it, you know. So that courage is one of the, the biggest things we harp on. My guest today has been Gabe Cooper. He's the CEO of Virtuous, and you can check him out at virtuouscrm.com. Uh, Gabe, any other contact information? If people want to find out more about you and about your company, where do they go? To learn more about us, go to virtuouscrm.com. If you're a nonprofit and you're hungry for innovation and want to do something different around generosity, we'd love for you to check us out. We actually just launched a new product, uh, Virtuous Automation, that's marketing automation built specifically for nonprofits and generosity. So yeah, learn more at virtuouscrm.com. Um, you can get to me through our website. That's an easy way to do it. Or email me at gabec at virtuoussoftware.com. So gabec at virtuoussoftware.com. And uh, I'd, be, I'd be happy to get back to you. 
Thanks so much for being on the show. Again, so very helpful to hear your insights on these various topics. I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better. 